There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. With Renault, official car partner of the GAA, driving passion for sport and communities throughout Ireland and abroad. We may not be able to get in on the sporting action like we're used to, but we can get in on some exclusive offers from Renault. To celebrate their second year as official car partner of the GEA, Renault is offering a range of special offers on their new and used vehicles, exclusive to all GEA club members. So now you can take home the win right to your door. Check out Renault.ie forward slash GEA to find out more. There's a small bit of a needle there. Oh, come on, Mayo, you've got to get Andy Moran into the game. Listed between them, and now they're really roaring. And I can tell you, tell you, that there won't be a cloud Milton County Clare for at least a week. Hello everyone, you're very welcome to the Irish Examiner Gaelic Football Show. My name is Paul Rouse and I'm joined here today as usual by Usheen McConville, the former Armagh footballer, and by Kieran Sheehan, the Cork footballer. They've left the three of us today without adult supervision, so this could be fun amidst all the gloom of the one-sided matches of the weekend. We're going to look at the Tipperary-Mayo game later in the show, but first up, it's Dublin v Cavan. Now, the numbers on this match and in this championship don't lie. Dublin's average winning margin is 17.25 points in this year's championship, and the number of goals they have conceded is zero. So the story of the championship continued yesterday. Kieran, what did Dublin do to Cavan and how did they do it? Yeah, look, they did what Dublin teams do at the moment. Um, what they do to teams, it was it was a case of, you know, and what what I will say before I kind of go into Cavan is that I don't think anything that Dublin do is, is overly complicated. Um, I, I had a look at them yesterday and I just, there was four things that really stood out to me. It was the work rate, the pressure, decision-making and the composure that they had and consistently from when the ball was thrown in right to the finish. Um, and just just to touch on the, their work rate and pressure, um, like, so from, from a selfless point of view, right, this Dublin team just, it doesn't matter if you have the ball or if, you, if, you, if you're in possession or you're not in possession, you're, doing your, you're playing your role and you know exactly what that role is. Um, and that was evident from you know, from defence right up to forwards, right right to the corner forward. Um, and what I'd say is, you know, it's it's a relentless game plan, right? And and they're able to physically meet that relentlessness throughout throughout the whole game. Um, now that takes that takes effort from a physical point of view, but it's a mindset as well. It's not just a case of, you know, we're physically fit, we're able to do this, you know, for the full 70 minutes. It's more than that. Um, they go in with a ruthless mindset. They're able to to deliver, um, and they do it do it consistently. Now, like Kevin, Kevin came at them. Kevin came at them, and that, you know that was from the throwing. Um, they went at them and got the first score. Um, you know, Dublin just you know were able to do what Dublin do. They'll just invite the pressure. They'll turn them over and they'll punish them. Um, and they did that. And look, to be fair, look, I can see there's there's again there's a lot of moving parts here. Um, but what I'd say is, in relation to their their turnovers and their pressure on the ball, what I what I'd say from looking at that right is they value it hugely within the group. Um, I'd imagine that they look very very closely and holds an awful lot of weight throughout this group of players' turnovers, you know. And I'd imagine they get an individual report on their turnovers because it seems like they just they go after guys. And they're looking for that turn. It's almost as if they're competing against each other for turnovers. Uh, and that was that was something that really jumped out at me at the weekend. Um, just that um, ability to go after guys. Um, yeah, can we talk about their defence for yeah. a moment? Everyone talks about how efficient they are in attack. But the, the cabin manager, Mickey Graham, said after the game of Dublin's defence, we tried to go long, we tried to run at them, we tried to get width, 
and they were just so well prepared for everything we threw at them. Yeah, that was that was super impressive. I was actually just going to come on to that. So from, from looking at that, what I'd say from, from all their backs, all their defenders, I would say any of them could play in any defensive position there. So you have your, your Fitzsimons that could play centre-back. You have your, your um, Merchant that could play wing-back, centre-back. You have James McCarthy who was playing midfield that could play full-back for you. You know, you have these, there's so much variety in their defence that they're comfortable in every single position. Um, and you saw that, you know, you see the likes of when Fitzsimons takes off, you know, even a Niall Scully just starts to drift back into that wing-back spot so they have that layer of protection again. Um, but I thought in particular their plus one defence was outstanding. I think Marchand played a lot of his time there in that role. But you even saw like different players playing that, that spot numerous times. Um, John Small had to drop at times playing in front of that, that full-back line. But they're just so well-organised. And I always describe it as, you know, playing... They almost play a man and a half. So they're not playing... And just they're not just marking their own man, they're almost half thinking about how I can intercept the ball off someone else's player while still holding and are in touch with their player. So they're defending a man, but they're always defending a man and a half. Um, and that's how I that's how I saw Dublin yesterday. I thought they were they were touch tight, but they're able to assist and support each other uh, defensively really, really well. Invite the pressure. There was Cavan didn't even really look like scoring a goal. Maybe one or two occasions they looked they might threaten, but. Dublin just being able to block up that scoring zone um, organisation, I thought they were super, super impressive. And they they used to sideline brilliantly, Oshin as well. The manner in which they they send a forward or an attacking wing back or whatever down the sideline and just hold them up and make them turn back out and the second man is in then just to get the squeeze on. Yeah, uh, like... We, I don't think we can talk about this game without saying like I I, I felt and I know there was very little of this in the commentary after the game, but I actually felt Calvin played very poorly uh, in in relation to the way they had played. Uh, I expected a, at least one period of complete manic uh, pressure, um, intensity, all those things from Calvin that never really developed. Uh, and I was hoping to see uh, Dublin, you know, on the rack at least for you know five ten minutes just to see how they uh, how they cope with it. The more I think about Dublin's defence, the more I think if you end up somewhere, they want you there. And uh, and you talk about the, you know when they when they double up and you're going down the lane, yes, uh, but you you know you've you've got to go into that game with the awareness that they're going to do that. Uh, that's not the first time they've done it. Uh, like the one, the one score that keeps popping up for me is the one that Conor Madden got. Now he got it right in under the Cusick stand. Uh, he dummied his man, beat him and he kicked the point from, from a, a, a very acute angle, let's say. Uh, and I genuinely think Dublin say to themselves, lad, if you can kick that fair play to you, and uh, but we, we won't let you in the same position again. Conor Madden never found himself in that position again, picking the ball up. And if he did, he was double teamed and he was uh, the ball was st- stripped of him. And uh, and I just think that whenever you know Calvin decided to try and run the ball down the middle of the defence, it was never going to work. I, I'm still not I'm still not convinced by the Dublin full back line. I don't care what Amy says. Like people are saying, oh, look at how well they cope with that ball. That's not a ball. That's just, that's just somebody hoofing the ball in and top. Yeah, the ball in, the high ball in was yeah. just was from the wrong place and it was hanging. I give I give you a high ball in. I give you uh, Kevin McLaughlin's three three balls mm-hmm. in three balls in yesterday. It's favoring it's favoring the attacker. Um, the attacker has an opportunity not just to win possession, but it also gives the, the other forwards. If you're a good enough corner forward, it gives you the opportunity to get in under the person who's who's uh, who's getting the ball because it's floated and it gives you that opportunity. But then, but the, the balls of Calvin were kicking in. You know what I mean? That's yeah, it's hay ball, but it, like it's it's not to the advantage of any way of the forward. You're just pumping it in there and hoping that something happens. I mean. No, like you're not going to get away with that against Dublin. Philly man just come in and he just that's what he done. He just punt, just continued to punch the ball out. Uh, so I was I was really disappointed with how Calvin how Calvin played. I think they'll be really disappointed. I mean, 
I found the, the, the commentary after the game a little bit patronising because I, I I still think there was a lot more in Cavan. Um, but you said you said last week that Cavan had to play on the edge, and but they couldn't even get close enough, or they didn't get close enough to play on the edge. It was only one free award before the first water break. Isn't that an extraordinary thing in a championship match? It it, it was it was shockingly unbelievable. Um, and I think the the thing when I look at uh, Dublin, you know, like it's, it's all very very easy. Football's not meant to be like that. Do you know what I mean? Like football, you know, we've touched on a couple of things over the last number of weeks. We've, th- we've touched on psychology, uh, we've touched on tradition. We went with them things way too early, man, because we should be talking about them now. Because the big thing about uh, you know, um, psychology is the, the the psychology of that game. I think is that Dublin were expecting things really, really tough for a, a certain period of the game. I'm under no illusions that Dublin knew they were going to win the game, or at least they felt strongly that they were going to win the game. Uh, but for it to, for you to go through a game or to win uh, now at this stage four games and nobody put a glove on you, like, like. Could they be any more ill-prepared for for an All-Ireland final? And yet, the overriding feeling in my head is I don't think it really matters. You know, and, and that, that there's two things about that. That's an indictment on everybody else, but it says something, it says something massive about the mentality of those Dublin guys. And the thing about a, being a perennial winner or a serial winner is that... Uh, it becomes more difficult to lose. You believe you're going to win, even if it comes down to the last minute. You, you believe that you're the team that's going to get that score. And that's what got them over the lane against uh, Mayo uh, on a couple of occasions. That's what got them over the lane last year. That's what get them a, got them a draw last year. Um, and you get to the stage, you don't want anybody else winning because you, you, you have an idea in your head. Like the first team that beats Dublin in the championship and dumps them out. You know, imagine the uh, the plaudits that that team's going to get. Do you know what I mean? And imagine uh, how much it's going to hurt those Dublin lads when that actually happens. And they are fending that off with their lives. And I can't think I can't think of another team who have done what they have done with such consummate ease. And lads, I don't care how good individually they are, but like complacency has never really been an issue for this team. They have just bounded on and bounded on. And it's, it is annoying, lads. It was, like Saturday night was pretty annoying. I mean, any United supporters, they would have got out of jail a little bit in that when you flicked over to, to watch them, they were, they were uh, Pogba was sticking the ball in the net and they were going uh, one all, two, one, three, one. Yeah, but but other than that, lads, it was a pretty depressing watch. You know, watching Cavan and Dublin because uh, not only was it ine- inevitable, but they, they just kept the, uh, the standards that they set for themselves, and they continued them to the last. Kieran Kenny's busting himself, you know, what's on the seventy first minute to try and get back and get a tackle in. That's phenomenal standards to set yourselves, and they deserve a lot of plaudits, lads. I, know I think it looks like. Much. It looks like a group of players who are saying, look, it doesn't matter who manages us. We're going to win. I think in the Leinster final, they were saying, now, Mead, you may think you have a team coming, but you don't. We're men and you're boys and we are so far in the distance that you're not even in the same race as us. And I think against Cavan, it was, lads, you think we're going to be pushed around in the tackle or all fall for the ball or outworked by you and you're sadly mistaken. We can beat you with football and we can beat you up physically. And... This general view before the game that it will be close or this view that was pushed out before the game that this will be close, it feels now like an opinion rooted in desperation. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree totally. I'd agree totally. I think I think what Dublin are doing from a cultural perspective, what they've created is, and Oshin touched on it there, this, is, this took hard work. This took serious dedication. This took, to get into, to get to a stage where they're at right now, this was this was a tireless effort to get Dublin back on the map and get Dublin winning again. And the guys that are there and are continuing to do it over and over again, it's not easy. It's definitely not easy. So, and, and there's so much, um, you know, going on in relation to, you know, you're talking about Dublin and funding and coaching and all this external stuff that's going on outside this group. 
you know, but they're still able to block out the noise and they're still only focused on winning. That's it. Rootless ambition to, to win. Um, and, and as I said, that takes hard work. That takes hours of training. That takes discipline from a lifestyle point of view. Like these guys are working hard. Like they like imagine the, the, the idea that someone's coming to you and saying, we're going to split you all up and play in, in different teams against each other. And yet they're still able to just not that we're not interested in hearing about that. We're only interested about winning game by game, um, you know, minute by minute within the game. They're not even thinking about, they're only thinking about the process. They're only thinking about, you know, what the next move is, what my role is. Am I playing it right? Am I doing it right for the team? Um, and it's just, yeah, as Oshin said, it's worrying in many ways. Like it was, it was disheartening to see as a Gaelic footballer from, you know, looking in as a neutral, but you have to admire him. You have to admire this, this, this team. Isn't it really interesting as well, though? Mickey, Mickey Graham said afterwards, uh, it's a once in a generation team there. Like everything else, they'll come and move on. And sooner or later, somebody is going to break that cycle. And it's up to the rest of us, of the teams to take up the mantle. But we have to get away from the sense that this is an exceptional generation of players. Now, the players are exceptional, for sure, but they are not really a generation. Now, everyone talks about there's only three players left from the 2011 team. But how many players are actually left starting from the 2015 team? So the first team in the five in a row, there are nine players gone from that team from, as starters. Four defenders, Rory O'Carroll, Philly McMahon, Keen O'Sullivan and Jack McCaffrey. All of them, like excellent players. One midfielder, Dennis Bastic, and four forwards. Listen to the four forwards who they've taken out. Paul Flynn, Dear McConley, Bernard Brogan and Paddy Andrews. So that's nine starters gone from their five in a row team. So only six players left and they still turn them out. Do you think they're actually better now? When Fluxon goes, they're fucked. But sure, they could have played Desi Cahill in goals on, 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 on the last cup through, the, through this year's championship. You're obsessed with Desi's. Like <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I wouldn't mind, but the, the, the young lad they have coming, coming after Cluxon, he looks as if he's just been cloned by him. Um, oh, he's a brilliant goalkeeper. Yeah, he's a brilliant, brilliant goalkeeper. I've seen him in club football. He's an absolutely exceptional keeper. Yeah, and do you know what? Anytime he's come in and you know, he's been sitting on the bench and sitting on the bench and any time he's come in, he's done a he's done a really good job in league matches or, or any time he's deputised. Give me the question again. Are they it's better? A, I'd say what you said, like Paul, I think it's culture. It's it's a culture that they've created that guys might be, you know, you have your Kieran Kilkenny, you know, your, your couple of other guys, your Fentons that have come in, but they've carried the weight of the culture and they've drove it on and they've kept driving it on. Like, you know, which a culture might have started with Brogan, Flynn, Connolly. Um, they've obviously, they came to a point where they were like, something needs to change. They changed it. They've obviously put in a, a massive effort to get it right. But they've passed the buck to the next group of players who in turn have passed the buck to the next group of players. And that's, of course, that's helped by the ferocious competitiveness of younger guys coming in and, and wanting to play for Dublin now, uh, wanting to achieve success. But there's still a huge cultural element that has to be that probably we don't know about externally. Um, I'm, I'm only, I'm only, I'm only guessing here, but they've kept it super tight within the group. Um, and I think that's, that's put them in good stead over the last number of years. No, it's just, it's, it's still, <clears throat> and it's still the standards. And like, I remember watching them in the league final four or five years ago and they're winning the game by nine, 10, 11 points. And, uh, Philly McMahon had left his berth as fullback and he'd gone up the field and he'd hit two pot shots. Jim McConley got the ball and he tried to give a pass with the outside of his left boot and he gave the ball away. And Cluxton came out to about 50, about the 45-yard about line, which is, which is a little bit out of character for him. And he started remonstrating with the two of them. And, and I, I, I think there might have been a, a few variables exchanged. But then he ushered Mareshka onto the field. And uh, two minutes later, he was pointing at the Mareshka and he was making a point. Um, and two minutes later, McMahon was gone, Dave McConnelly was gone, and Jim Gavin took them off and they sat in the stand. Now, they played the next day, but I guarantee you that that was to do with people going on a solo run. You don't see people on that team 
going on a solo run. You don't see people on that team doing what they want to do. When you walk into that change room as a young lad now, you are under no illusions at this stage that something half-arsed is going to do, regardless, regardless of how talented you are. You think of all the talented players that Dublin have had down through the years. Well, I can guarantee you there's a lot of gays in Dublin who think, who think and, and maybe are, more talented than some of the gays who are currently playing inter-county senior football with Dublin. But they don't have the mindset. And if you don't have the mindset, you won't be accepted in that change rooms and you won't last long in those change rooms because the standards are very difficult to live up to. When you're playing on a team that's a winning team with a winning mentality, uh, bullshit and egos is not accepted in that change room. And... uh, if, if you like, I know I get a lot of stick for saying this. I've had a, a couple of the older gays coming at me a couple of times, but uh, when we played them, and we're not talking a hundred years ago, when we played them, it was all bullshit and it was all egos. And and if you remember that team that used to go up to the, to the link arms and go up oh, to the yeah. hill, hand on each other's shoulders, walking up to try, and, to try and get some energy out of the hill, I mean. Would this team do that? No, they're not interested in any of that. They're just interested in the standards that they set for themselves and uh, producing the goods every single day to go out. And they have got a, they have a real pride in doing that. So, like, if you're a young lad going into that change room, like the the, the young lads that they've introduced this year, you're under no illusions what it's going to take uh, to to maintain your uh, place, not just on the on the on the team, but even on the squad. There's a parallel, of course, on one level. And um, I want to ask you about it, Oshin. Between 1996 and 2013, Cross Midland Rangers won 17 Armagh titles in 18 years. Did you think you could lose during those years? I would say that we found it very, very difficult uh, to lose. Um, the thought of losing. And it's a difficult, it's a difficult one because... <clears throat> Some people ask me some ask me this well. People ask me this question a lot about that particular run that we were on, and it got to the stage where we wouldn't have tolerated losing to some of the people that were coming at us because we felt our standards were better than theirs. That's not that's not saying that they weren't as good as footballers, but we felt that we were putting in more off the pitch. We were putting in more. Uh, at training and uh, we were spending more time we were devoting our lives to doing what we were trying to do and we didn't want somebody coming along and taking that office that wasn't going to honour I suppose uh, that that fact I don't know if that makes sense to you but um, the, the standards again that's why I touched on the standards within the change rooms the standards were, were at the highest you know, I I could tell you a multitude of stories of gays, you know, coming into the change room and trying to give excuses that maybe tonight that they weren't going to be okay and they were sent away and to get their to get their stuff and they come back in the train. And and that's just the that's just the way it was. Uh players took like Joe was was brilliant, he had brilliant people around him, but players took a, a lot of ownership um of most of the situations that we found ourselves in. And you can't go on a run like that without having issues along the way. But any issues that we had uh, were put to bed pretty quickly and, and we were able to move on. So, uh, you know, as far as, you know, uh, the correlation between those two things, we actually did lose games. Um, but there were maybe an Ulster Championships or in an All-Ireland series. But uh, at that stage, I would have felt that, you know, we would have found it very, very difficult to lose games. When, you know, I, I, can't, I, I can't tell you how many games we won by a point. And that was just pure belief that, you know, when we had the ball in the last couple of minutes that we were going to get a score to equalise the game, get another day out of it and, and then go to town or else, you know, get, get a, a one-point win and, and move on. And... Uh, when you feel like that, when, when that's in your head and when you're in that zone of winning, it, it's very difficult to lose games. So why Was did it, it end? <clears throat> why did it end? I, I, I think it ended because the, uh, the culture in the change rooms slipped and it changed a little bit. And, uh, you know, we took a lot of things for granted. Uh, and I think maybe when we were winning all Ireland's that maybe we took our eye off the ball as to what was happening uh, down below. 
And I think when you're a club, uh, you should be a slave to that. You have to be a slave to what's coming along underage-wise. And maybe we slightly took our eye off the ball. If you were to visit Cross today and you were to see the work that's going on at underage, then you would realise that that's something that we don't want to ever happen again, that we take our eye off the ball. And that's why the concentration and uh, focus is so much more on what we're doing uh, underage than it is um, at senior level. Sheen, I, I know you mentioned there about the belief, um, but like, was there an element of, of the fear fear of losing that was giving you an extra you know, bit? Because like, when you look at Dublin last year and you know, drawing in an All-Ireland final, you know, then winning a replay, you know, is, is that after giving Dublin an extra bit of a, okay, lads, we can't be in this position again, you know, because this year, obviously the margins have got bigger and bigger, but like, you know, when you look at it, like you have that fear of actually losing. Now they're, they're in the headspace where, you know, that is a, a real, like it would be a massive concern for them. And they, they, just, they just do everything they can to, to stop that from happening, you know? Was that, was that a case for you as well? Like, you know, like 10 championships, we'll say down the line, were you a case of, you know, we're not losing here. We, we can't lose, like, you know? Or was yeah. it a case of... Yeah. yeah, no, it, it definitely was, Kieran. And I think, you know, if you say stuff like that out loud nowadays, like you would, ne- I'm sure you would never hear that come from the Dublin camp, but I, I definitely yeah. still think it's real because, you know, when you hear of, uh, you know, when you hear the Dublin lads talking, you take think about how humble they are, but also you, you realise that, you know, they're going to they're gonna trot out the, the process stuff. And and uh, I understand how, how important the process is uh, but there has to be a huge amount of substance and sometimes you have to draw on different reasons where, regardless of where you're getting them from. I mean, yeah. like we won championships on the back of the Brits being uh, building the barracks on, on, you know, beside our pitch. You know what I mean? Because we, we started to draw on that. Instead of using it as a crutch as poor us, we started to draw on that and we started to use it uh, to try and, and push things along and try yeah. and be trying to be that little bit better. But then... You know, you can't use that forever. So you have to move on to something else. As long as there's substance behind it all the time, I think. Uh, and obviously, you have to have uh, willing uh, soldiers and you have to have um, talented individuals. But I, I do think that when you're talking about a team and you're talking about 15 players and you're talking about 30 people in a squad, you're talking about the sum of those parts has to be very, very strong. But definitely the fear of losing. I mean... Like, I remember when we eventually lost after 13 years. I mean, uh, Pierce Oaks beat us. And, like, honestly, it was the only thing you could hear about. Like, the, the 13 years that we'd gone, you know, unbeaten in Armagh was was basically forgotten about in a matter of, you know, 65 minutes. And, and that gave us the push to go again. Do you know what I mean? And our standards hadn't slipped at that stage. But, my God, they went through the roof. You know, we, I remember sitting in the club that night and, and it, was a, it was a painful place to be. But when we went back a couple of months later, you know what I mean? Like we'd never had a winter off, never. We'd never, ever had a winter off. I never remember, you know, a year where you take a break and you go back and you, you do an inter-county pre-season and you go again. I never had that. I always went from club to county to club to county. to, And uh, I, I found that. I found that great. I, I found that kept me kept me fresh because you weren't being overloaded with two pre-seasons or three pre-seasons every year. So um, the fear of losing was a massive thing, but you'll never hear people talking about it now because it's not in vogue yeah. anymore, you know? Yeah, yeah. There was an incident in the um, in the last minute of injury time in the Dublin Cavan game. Thomas Galligan was sent off. He... He seemed to be sarcastically applauding Kieran Brannigan for giving a free to Stephen Cluxton. Now, it's not clear that there was something said as well or if there had been previous to it. Now, in fairness, it was a free. It was not a really hard free, but it was a free. But to send a player off at that time with less than a minute left, I don't know. Like, Oshin, do you think if Kieran Brannigan watched back that video and saw the fouls on Thomas Galligan as he waited for the high ball, notably by Philly McMahon, do you think he'd get a greater understanding of why Galligan was frustrated? Probably not. And that's the saddest thing about it. And, uh, you know, there's a huge argument between, you know, refereeing, you know, the game and refereeing the situation. And, like, you don't have an argument with referees on this one. 
Do you know what I mean? Like I remember saying, uh, uh, and Jeremy analysis one time uh, that that was quite a saw free. And I immediately got a text message from a referee saying, there's no such thing as a saw free. It's either a free or it's not a free. So like, that's what you're dealing with. I think that they... But that's not they, true, though. That's not true. Because there's a, there's a haze of decision-making. There's a line. There's a, there, 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 there are clear frees, and then there are judgment calls that are right on the line. Well, I, I agree with you, but referees won't agree with you because referees feel now as if they are very much under the microscope. I recently read a referee's report, or a referee's assessment, okay? And on the assessment, it, it quoted something that was said by a pundit on TV. So that gives you, yeah. that gives you an idea where we're at. But the, 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 the incident in particular, I mean, I don't think there was anybody watching that game that wasn't aghast by the fact that, you know, with 30 seconds left in the game, that that wasn't just let, you know, it wasn't just let play. And, you know... It's the argument there for me is just having that bit of a feel for, for what's going on, the game, the frustration of the players, all those sort of things. But again, the counter-argument is going to be that to the letter of the law, if he said something or he's being sarcastic or whatever, that he deserved to be sent off. But for me, madness. Let's talk about Mayo Tipperary. Kieran, did Mayo get their matchups right? Uh Yes. Yes, um, I think they we saw kind of the, the, the main guys didn't have the influence that we would have kind of anticipated. Um, Sweeney, Quinlevin, um, O'Riordan were um, subdued um, in many ways. They were kept, kept quieter than normal. Um, I, I, I still think that there's... Uh, Lee Keegan needs to be utilised a bit more. I, I feel like he's, he's not in the game as much as we're kind of used to seeing Lee Keegan in the game and his long bursting runs down the field and his explosiveness. And um, so I'm, I'm just a bit unsure as whether, you know, he is kind of playing a bit deeper this year, but I'm just, I'm just wondering, is he better off, you know, out a bit further and having more of an impact in, in, in attacking. Um, but in relation to like we saw from the start, I, I was worried. And I mentioned to Stephen last, last week about, that high ball into Sweeney and and that tip would would utilize that and would would go for it um, and it, it gave Mayo a bit of trouble early on um, but I still think uh, Stephen was right in what he said about Chris Barrett you know and I, I knew that as well that he would just scrap away and there was a couple of balls where he just you know he halved the contest and uh, and Mayo came out with the ball um, but I think I think they did get the matchups right I think. Uh, uh, Quinn, Quinlevin really came into the game the second half it's easier said now because you know Mayo had the game over by half time but um, just I, I just thought Mayo were very impressive going forward I think they took the foot off the gas um, by half time um, you could see that even by it was a Dermot O'Connor came off they made a couple of substitutions that you know would indicate that that Mayo were preparing for, for a final um, but unfortunately yeah look I don't think I don't think Tip got the performance that they were looking for. They were they were always going to have to play better than what they did in the Munster final, um, and I don't right, think that so, happened. So, right. So let's let, let's look at the, this then. If Tipperary, if Mayo got the matchups right, how then did Tipperary create eleven goal chances? So if it's not matchups, what is it? What are the uh, things that allowed this happen? I, I I do reckon Mayo got off to a poor start. I, I think I think the couple of goal chances early on were were concerned for him, and I think they realised that. Um, uh, the second half, as I said, I think Mayo took the foot off the gas. I, I don't think they were as tuned in, you know, as like you know, you see with Dublin, like you know, they they might be twenty points up and they're still you know going for it. But I I do think a lot of their chance tips chances in the second half came from Mayo's. Um, I suppose the fact that they took a step back in relation to to mind themselves for an All Ireland final. Machine. Yeah, I just think I thought Mayo's sort of last ditch defending was very very poor. Uh, I thought they gave away a lot of free kicks in that you know fourteen twenty one yards out simple tap overs for for Sweeney. Uh, I think that's as much of a worry as as the goal chances. Uh, but you know like. Even for Fox's goal, I mean, he never should be getting in there. 
like he's not he's not fit he's not physically wasn't moving at any massive pace he slides one in along the ground and eventually ends up in the net but like he, 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 they've got to be stronger and face him up I mean you're talking to two corner forwards here like so you know we would like the, our tackling skills wouldn't be wouldn't be great like you know but as you go on and you start playing football to the level that you're playing at now you realize that uh you know the defense must start defending must start at in your forward line Killian O'Connor epitomizes that but I'm not so sure the rest of them buy into it just as much um as much as there's productivity from McLaughlin O'Donoghue and Damer O'Connor in the in the half forward line I'm not sure you know if they work hard enough, maybe they do work hard enough in that they're up and down the field. But as far as getting the bodies in, uh, the you know the two boys, McLaughlin and, and O'Donoghue in particular, are quite small. Uh, and then you know you're talking about Patrick Dorkin, who's playing on the front foot. Then you're talking about Stephen Cohen, who's been given a job to to take O'Reardon out of the game. So that takes your centre half out of that position. You know, a lot of what uh, Tipperary was doing, were doing as far as goal chances was just basically straight down the middle. Um, so, you know, would would they have been, would, would they be better off in, in letting Stephen Cohen sit and mind that, mind the middle from the top of the D? Uh, and then just the last ditch defending inside, I didn't think was good enough. I mean, you know, Keegan gets lost for the first goal chance. Uh, and Deacon Chase. Second goal chance. Sorry? And, and didn't chase the, the high ball that he broke down in front of Quinlevin. He didn't go after him. He stood there. If you, I couldn't. I went went back and watched the whole match again last night, and he didn't yeah, turn and go after. Him. Chris Barrett turned to him afterwards as if to say, like you know, you, you stopped. Yeah, I, I think he thought the house was down at that stage, and he was he was a very relieved man whenever um, whenever Clark p- pulled off that save. But I just think the last ditch defending is not good enough. I think. The inclination seems to be, you know, if man's through that we that we let him go, or we pull him down. There doesn't seem to be anything in between where you know you can get your hands out and, and make yourself big and try and stop him. And I think uh, as much as uh, Mayo have moved on, I think maybe they miss, you know, some of the guys who might have did that, the, the Boyles and the and the Higgins and, and boys like that, you know. So uh, I just think. You need a permanent fixture in the, at the centre of your defence, and whether that be Stephen Cohen or whoever it is, but I agree one hundred percent with Kieran. Lee Keegan does not look comfortable. Uh, does not look comfortable in that role. I mean, like I think it'd be madness now not to play him in the half in the in the half or in the half back line. Um, you, you've taken away a couple of things, and I don't think you've gained that much. And I think he he scored seven championship goals, five of them in Crow Park. And uh, you know you've t- you're taking away that by p- by playing them inside, and and as I say, I don't know how much you're gaining by doing that. It was it was interesting as well to watch other individual mistakes. So for for Fox's goal, Connor Loftus slipped off a tackle, and Fox had gone from Paddy Durkin, which is unusual enough in itself. But Loftus, and for for Feehan's goal in the second half, Oshin Mullen did kind of a quite extraordinary thing. He ran out by the man, following his own man. As the guy with the ball went by him, it's 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 those kind of are they are mistakes like that the product of a mindset or is it is it is it something that's technical? I think I think it's a mix of both. Um, uh, I think like when you're talking about like that's 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 kind of a brain fade stuff in my opinion. Um, you know, you, you have to read what's in front of you, uh, and your your priority as a defender when he's getting to a dangerous position. Is, is dispossess the man or tackle him or, you know, but, and again, I don't mean to come back to Dublin here, but that's what Dublin are very, very good at. They're in, in relation to decision-making, if there's a chance to double up, they'll double up at the right time. They leave their man at the right time, knowing that there's protection behind them. Whereas Mayo seemed to, at times, press a man when there wasn't need to press a man. And there was a little pop ball over his head um, and tip, tip almost created chances from that. Um, and in particular, and I'm just going to touch on, on what you said, Eroshin, in relation to Mayo's forwards. I think that will be a huge focus for them uh, in relation to defending and pressure. I thought Tip uh, had opportunity to pick out passes. You know, Maher there, half-back for Tip, was, was probably one of their better players all day. I thought broke the line, carried a lot of ball. But I thought their, their ball into the, the forwards were, there was no pressure on the kicker. 
Um, and that pressure has to come from the male forwards. It just has to. Um, and, and that needs to start from, from the moment the ball's thrown in. And it just wasn't quite there, I would say, um, yesterday. And I think that was noticeable. Um, but in relation to, to that stuff, I think it's, it's, it, it is a mindset. Um, but I think, you, you know, you need to go in as a group of players. It's team defence now. It's not worrying about your man. The, those days are gone, you know, where you're worrying about, you know, just defending your own man. Those days are certainly out the window, in my opinion. Have either of you uh, ever scored 4-9 in a match? <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a whole match or in the first half? <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was scary. It was scary just how efficient uh, Killian O'Connor was yesterday. How, like his, even his goal from the mark, uh, the fifth goal, like he dinked it into the net. Like, you know, he, beautiful he's finish. such... Such an awareness of of everything that was going on around him, and uh, look at lads. He's you know he, he's a, he's already had a phenomenal uh, inter county career. Has he play. had? In, 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 so, uh, well, I, I I do agree. I think he has had. But here's the thing: he's the top scorer in the history of the championships. He's performed heroics for Mayo year after year. He has only one All Star. Right? More than that. He's only won the Mayo Footballer of the Year. I'm told this, I'm not absolutely certain, but he's only won Mayo Footballer of the Year once. That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter to me. I mean, the All-Stars are the All-Stars. I mean, my own experience of the All-Stars is I didn't win an All-Star when I should have definitely won an All-Star and I won one when I shouldn't have won one. And that gives you an idea of... of that tells me everything I need to know about the All-Stars. But... Um, has he had a phenomenal career? Phenomenal. Yeah, and, I agree. Uh, I, I, yep. the, I, all these years seem to merge into one, but in whatever year himself and Dean Rock had the uh, kicking clinic in Crew Park in an All-Ireland final, 20 free kicks, and between them they kicked 19. Uh, and I was coming out. Obviously, he missed the, the free kick to, to equalize right at the end of the game. And I'm coming out, and that's the only thing people want to talk about was O'Connor missing the free kick. I mean, he was after almost single-handedly keeping keeping Mayo in the game. Uh, the mentality and the accuracy and the presence of mind to do what he's been doing for the, for the amount of years he's been doing, um, it speaks volume, volumes of him. And you know what? If he was just doing that, it would be enough, but he's not. Most amount of turnovers... Hardest working uh, uh, forward on, on, on that Mayo team, if not in the country. And uh, he just he sets the tone for them uh, on a lot of times. As soon as he scores, you know, he's not, he doesn't over-celebrate things. He's out and he's pointing and he wants people picked up and all that sort of thing. He's much more than, than just a free taker. He's much more than just 4-9. Uh, he's a leader. And uh, I liked actually what James Horan had said after, said after the game when... He was asked about. He said we'd have to listen to that for a while. And I like that. I, I like that because we we miss a bit of brashness in in uh, in in the GA. Anybody who's an NFL fan or anybody who watches a bit of that, I mean, those guys have too much. They're the opposite side of the spectrum. They have too much brashness. But uh, you know, it's it's nice to hear that sort of thing. And and I hope he does tell his teammates that he's carrying them all week. Yeah, summer salt after the fourth goal. What? <laughs> He's, he, he's just a very unassuming kind of a player. Like, I, like I remember just watching from from his early years and kind of thinking, you know, he's a guy that you know our defenders would be able to get a hang on, but we're never able to. You know, he was he was just so unassuming and so kind of. I think his biggest asset is his awareness. Like his his he always finds himself in the right position. He makes the right runs. It might be only a, a two or three yard sprint, but a change of direction after that. And he, he ends up popping up in the right position. Like, like for the goal, and you mentioned it earlier, McLaughlin's ball in, there's two, there's two parts to that. There's the ball in, but there's the movement. And I think, I think it was Kieran Donaghy um, had an article a couple of weeks ago about the, the role of the full forward and the high ball and about, you know, ripping back towards goal puts the defender under awful pressure. Because if you're heading, if you're as, as, a, as a forward, a full forward, and you're sprinting towards the goal, the defender has no option but to sprint with you. And as soon as you stop hitting your tracks, you're in trouble. Now, Killian O'Connor for that goal found a back position 
if the ball was a little bit short from Kevin, he was still winning it. It wouldn't matter if it was over his head. I know the the, the cabin player or the tip player slipped, <coughs> but um, I think his his positioning, his awareness, um, you know, and then obviously his his clinical finishing on top of it. But as I said, a very unassuming player, but just an exceptional talent. One of the interesting things that we've been able to do over the last couple of weeks, when the footage has come out from Croke Park RTE's footage, we've seen teams warm up a little bit. And when Declan Brown was on the show here a couple of weeks ago, he was talking about the warm-up that Dublin do. And he was saying how it was nothing fancy. It was just concentrate on the basics. And their skill level is superb and the intensity that they were doing now. Um, I want, so I want to talk a little bit about warm-ups for a second. I'm, I'm fascinated by them. And I'm kind of fascinated in a horrified way. Uh, there's a thing in history where um, you have to try and identify and recognize your own bias. I hated warm-ups. And, Oshin, I was watching you on the BBC before the Antrim Cavan game a few weeks ago, well, it's a few months ago now, and you were talking about the Antrim forward, Paddy Cunningham, and the way he approached the warm-up. Will you describe it for us? He really didn't take part in it. (laughs) (laughs) When when the Antrim boys were warming up, he was kicking freeze. If only I had thought of that at the time, it would have saved me a lot of hassle and a lot of mileage. Um, but yeah, no, I suppose the, the, one thing I've I've been very interested in, uh, Paul, for some time is uh, the longevity of 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 GA careers and how uh, the guy who plays fifteen and sixteen years, um, those guys are now. Uh, fewer than they ever have been. In fact, they're, they're few and far between. And I, I always, I always go back to and I apologize for the United reference again, but I go back to the gigs and I go back to, uh, you know, everybody thought he was a one-trick pony and he had pace and he run down the wing and he crossed the ball and people scored and he's getting our goal uh, week in week out. And then uh, at the age of what 32, 33, he started to lose a bit of the pace and he thought this is him. He's, this is him gone. He's done and dusted, and um, he reinvented himself as a central midfielder. Central midfielder, that's right. Yeah, and and I I remember a number of years ago, and and uh, Down had just taken in a a new manager, and and I've been talking to Benny Coulter at the time, and and Benny had said that there'd be no point in him going back and doing, you know, a massive preseason November, December, January, you know. You know, he'd rather go back just before the league started and maybe be introduced uh, during the league. And he was like, he was told that this was completely unacceptable, that he was going to do what everybody else was going to do. And I, I think there's a little bit too much of that going on. And I think, um, you know, we, uh, I've heard Kevin McManaman talk a little bit about this as well, is that, uh, you know, when the older players are coming back in, on, a, on a, let's, let's say a normal pre-season uh, with Dublin, uh, that they would be expected to do a lot of the physical stuff, but as soon as that physical stuff is done, they're in their cars and they're gone home while everybody else finishes the training session. And I just thought, that's another edge that they have. Because where would you get to trust elsewhere, you know, from a manager t- in order to do that? And I think that that's why the careers of uh, inter-county players have been shortened and shortened and shortened because we're not willing um, to give... Uh, to have as much trust in the senior players as we should and we want them to do everything that the other players are doing I, I got another four or five years out of my career, out of my uh, club career when I finished uh, playing into county stuff because I was training every day but I was training in a different way and I had somebody different who was training me and uh, when I went to train and I felt very comfortable but you know it was never you know it was never pushed to the absolute limits and uh, when I needed a break, I took a break. And, and that's the way it was because there was a trust there. But I just don't think that that trust seems to be universal. So that was the thing with Paddy Cunningham. I just thought it was interesting. Why would he expend a huge amount of energy before the game when, generally speaking, he'd only been lasting 50 or 55 minutes anyway during a game? So uh, that's that was the interesting thing I thought about it at the time. But I, I don't see it enough you know, in other teams. Isn't it really interesting how few Dublin players as well miss matches through being injured? They, 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 they seem, their key players never seem to miss matches. Um, what is the purpose of warm-up? I did, this is, I, I see they're really extended. 
warm-ups going on, but what what are why are people expending so much time on a warm-up? What is trying to be what 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 are team management's trying to achieve here? Is it sports science or is it kind of pseudo-psychology? Is it should everyone on the team do the same warm-up? Actually, what did they do in, in Australia, Kieran? Um, a very long warm up actually. Um, we, we, what we did before our game is there's a big warm up area in the stadium that you go down and you do your indoor warm up. Um, a lot of that would just be lane kicking or lane handballing, um, for maybe 20 minutes, a lot of mobility, stretching all that underneath in the, in the, in the change room, in that, in that warm up area. Um, after that, you'd spend another 20, 25 minutes out in the pitch warming up as well. Now, what I'd say about him is, is exactly what Oshin said. It's a case of, and I'm very much in agreement of train smart rather than train hard. There's a big difference between, you know, training smart and training hard. And um, if if you have the trust uh, within the playing group, that, and that's 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 what we had over in Australia. You know, it was a case of your warm up is your time. You know, they'll run a warm up. If you feel you want to be involved in the warm up, you be involved in the warm up. If you want to go goal kicking, you go goal kicking. But I think the, I, I don't know the exact science behind it, but what I would say is if you go, from my opinion, if I went out and I stood around uh, before, for example, a monster final and the ball was thrown up, I wouldn't be ready. And I, I know that for a fact. I, I, w- I would have to be involved in some, you know, uh, you know, some contact, some, some kick, some point scoring, some goal scoring, um, you know, but like those close, tight, you know, games that are, you know, conditioning games that you might do before a game, like, you know, it just, and it might, you might do it at your own pace, but just so that you're not caught in the hop because the pitch of a warm up versus a, you know, you know, a championship game or, you know, the, the build up to it, you just can't get caught cold. And you could argue that, you know, it's exactly what happened Cork against Tip, you know, in that, in that monster final, you know, just caught first 10 minutes, whether that was through the warm up, do with the warm up, I don't know. That could have been just a whole mindset thing, but like, you know, I think I think they are hugely important, but I do agree with Oshin. I think it's a case of there needs to be trust between the coaching, the coaches, the players. Um, you do what you need to do in order to perform. If you if you don't perform, then we'll question what you did in the warm up. Of course we will, because that's what you need to do in order to to get the best out of your players. That's how I, that's how I view it. I have to say, I love the idea of the warm-up being your own time. I know the club team that I played on, my brother used to, used to warm up by reaching for the lighter. <laughs> we had a tall, we'd a tall lad on our team, if he touched his knees, he'd nearly want a round of applause. So, um, we're, um, we're going to leave this weekend and we're going to leave a preview of the final until next weekend. Oshin is going to set Dublin up to exploit Mayo when we come back next week. And yes, Kieran, get in. Is, yeah, Kieran <laughs> drew a slightly shorter straw and he's going slightly, to set out slightly shorter. <laughs> he's going to set out the plan by which Mayo can uh, can beat Dublin. But so that's the full preview for next week. But there's no harm in having a very quick look here. There's a line in Dante's Inferno where um, he says, Abandon hope, all ye who enter here. Do you give Mayo hope? And if you do, what hope do you give them? Do you want to go here, Oshin? Let's <laughs> not I, 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 rush I, now. We've all day I, here. Don't worry about I, it. I was, I was hoping that I would have got, bought myself a bit of time to look up Dante and see who he was. <laughs> where, where he come out of. He wasn't even on the Mayo squad yesterday. But anyway. Um, uh, well, I'll put it like this, right? So you think about yesterday's game and just take it, take yesterday's game on its own merits. And think, right, okay, Mayo won that game. And you know what? I know they give away loads of champs, but they, but they did it in a, in a way that wouldn't be that familiar to a lot of Mayo supporters. They did it with the minimal of fuss. And they put the game to bed very, very early on. And um, I think, personally, that you know Mayo will be a lot better prepared for the dubs uh, than we probably um, give them credit for. And I do think if there's a team that can go toe-to-toe physically with them and will pull it up to them physically and will not stand off and will not uh, give them the time on the ball that, that they've had so far, I think Mayo are the obvious choice to do that. We don't have Kerry, right? So, you know, we, we don't have that option. But I think uh, when I look at Mayo, can I give them, a, can I give them 
crumbs of comfort. Of course I can, because they have managed to do it in the past. Yes, this is a completely different team. They've got a little bit. Of, they've got a, li- a little bit more pace. They will have. They have. They'll have a plan. They they know how Dublin play. I understand how difficult it is to counteract that. Uh, there's a couple of things that they really need to tune in on, and that is, uh, one of them is the retention of their own kickouts. Whenever Dublin are going to put a massive press on them, and uh, that's where you know Ruan and, and O'Shea in particular. Uh, are going to have to really, really step up and win those those long kickouts in that primary possession, and uh, that's a, that's a massive thing. It's not easy done. Um, we've seen how Galway in the past have used the overload and one side, even just to start thinking outside the box a little bit because something's going to have to change because it's just not happening for them in uh, in that area. Uh, and I, they'll know that Dublin will want to put serious pressure on that and dismantle that as quickly as they can. Uh, but look at and they've real trouble there, don't they? They've real trouble in there. If they they lost almost sixty percent of their long kickouts against Hip number one, number two, Clark's get out of jail kickout when he can't get it away twenty meters short is to go wide right out to the sideline on each way, and it seems to me that that ball hangs a little bit. Number one and number two, that's exactly where Dublin wants you. That's where they want you to start. Uh, and you know what? I- I, I don't know what would be wrong with, with, with Clark setting the ball down and kicking it as straight and as long as he can to, to an Aidan O'Shea position at that at that place. Damon O'Connor is very good at getting in around the break. Uh, I know there might be only two or three of those kicks in every game, but that would be a start. you know, And that would cut down the percentages you're talking about because that, that percentage is, is pretty stark. And uh, in order for them to have any chance, that's the first thing, I suppose, that they need to sort out. And then just, you know, may will bring a, ma- a manicness to it that we haven't seen so far. And that, that's what I'm looking forward to, I, even if it's only for 20 minutes. You know what I mean? Just to, to really pull it up to them and really put the dubs in the back foot. But uh, every game, you know, is packed and, and the next game is taken on its own merits. And that's the only hope that I have. Uh, is that there's a little bit more to this Mayo team than we've done we've uh, even seen so far? I I'd have to agree there in relation to the manic the manic how long can they sustain that manic type of football or that manic attitude um, in an All Ireland final? Um, and uh, what I'd say is like they they will need to mix you know their their strength which is their pace um, with also control and composure. Uh, and, and decision making like there 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 are three things there that you know you could be manic in attack but you need to be clever with the ball because they turn over the ball too many times against tip and against dublin that's goals everywhere <laughs> there's goals coming from left right and center so like what i'd say is you know as you said oshin toe to toe against dublin mayo have the physical ability um i think they have they they, they have shown that they, they you know they can put it to them um and now with the added bit of class of, you know, Tommy Conroy, um, the, the type of form killing O'Connor's in, um, you know, Aidan O'Shea, again, has, hasn't has played, you know, outstanding in the lead up to this, you know, could have been a slow build up now to an All-Ireland final that he could play out of his skin. Um, and again, look, I, I just think that they need to mix that manic attack with patience. It sounds It sounds totally contradictory, but at the same time, they need to make every score count and they make every shot at goal count because, again, turnover, um, game over against Dublin because they will punish you. you, you do, do you remember the, do you remember the gay out of, I don't know, have you ever seen the film Mean Machine? Yeah. Have you, the seen, the goal, have you seen the goalkeeper? Yeah, the goalkeeper's <laughs> called the monk, okay? So, uh, during the film, in his head, He's thinking about kicking guards, and he's it's it's based in the prison, but he's thinking about kicking guards and choking them and doing and doing all those sort of things. But he doesn't actually do it because that's his that's his control. And I think if if uh, Mayo can play uh, a little bit of the mix between the monk and and a chess player, then they have control. A, they have a great oppor- yeah, they have a great opportunity. It's it's one of those things. I, I don't think you can beat Dublin if you don't mind the ball, but at the same time. If you want to get at that full back, mm. and if we think you can, you do have to take risks and kick it in long. So that's the that's yeah. the risk risk reward thing there. Number one, number two, I'd be really interested to know how Mayo are preparing for this for the final and where they're training. the The winter before last in February, Mayo were to play Dublin in Croke Park in a league game, um, and I was out in the National Aquatic Centre in Dublin, um, actually 
kind of crushing a 5k run around that uh, around the tracks there when I came across this training session. Mayo footballers were training. They had come to Dublin on a Wednesday night before they played there. Their whole entourage, there must have been about 15 helpers around the place. There was a full-scale match going on in the aquatic centre. There were other players on bikes along the sideline. There were more inside in the gym. It was a vast operation. So Mayo are, are a county with the resources financially put into their senior team who were able to compete with Dublin. And I wonder where they're training in these in these weeks to, to, to get up to speed on the Croke Park pitch. I think that I think that'll be a mix. I think they'll be in Abbottstown uh, for some of it because uh, they don't like their Dublin players to do all of the travelling. So the the tendency is to, to mix it up as much as they can. So um, I don't know on their current conditions or restrictions if that's if that's a possibility. But I presume as a as an elite uh, Gaelic football team, you know they'll be able to train wherever they need to train. We'll come back to this um, next week, lads. Looking forward to, to to seeing what you come up with. With thanks to Renault for getting us here and we'll talk to everyone again next week. Thank you. With Renault, official car partner of the GAA, taking the passion of a nation to a whole new gear. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.